because I couldn't point to anybody else that said, you know, hey, it's your fault that all of this happened. It was me. Uh, it's it's because I completely lost the will to go along a path that I knew was not my own. The millennial generation is as follows. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. Well, the time to take action is now, and your action is to listen to this podcast. This is the Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. This is Tony Dufresne, your host. Glad uh, glad you're back with me, and if you're here for the first time, then welcome. I hope you find this relatively entertaining for the next 20, 23 minutes or so. This week, I'm going to talk about my origin, my origin being the story that led me up to the what I'm doing today and the reasons why I do it, why I'm following my passion, my passion being this, uh, my coaching and the book and all the fun stuff and just helping people find their own gig. So basically, my backstory is, is that I was, uh, I was born in Southern California, um, kind of a middle, lower middle class guy. I, I, I grew up, uh, kind of being molded into a perfectionist. I was the oldest of three kids and, uh, I did pretty well in school. And so as I went along, there was this raised expectation of me doing better and better. And it's at one of those things where you get a, a B or a B minus or something, then it's disappointing. Because why is it not an A? Or if it's an A minus, why is it not an A type of thing? Uh, I actually ended up doing pretty well in high school and it was pretty easy for me. And so I ended up at, I graduated like eight out of 800 kids in my school. Now, what happened was, is that the expectation bar raised so high up to that point that uh, I, and at that time, I decided to be an engineer because of the math and the science. And I still didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do at all. I mean, I had no idea. I just bounced around and, and I, my uh, parents were very big on finding a stable job and uh, because they both were raised by parents from the depression and uh, my grandparents the same way, find a stable job, make good money. They never had a college education. So it was a big thing with them and thinking that them thinking that with that education that I would be uh, much more further ahead than they were. Getting into college, I got in as an engineer and I just went local to Cal State Fullerton for my first year. But I, I literally lasted three weeks in the engineering program because I hated it. Because it really, I, that's the first time, the first epiphany. There's a number of epiphanies in this story. That's the first epiphany that I had that I realized this is not me. This is really not what I want to do. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, that stuff was okay or easy, relatively easy, the math and the, all that stuff. But once I got into it and I realized that this was a path, like a legit path that I was going to be on in moving forward in my life, I realized, oh, no, that's not happening. Especially because I remember being in in my sketching class, and this is back in the day before CAD, before the computer uh, sketching stuff, you know, just basically with your mechanical pencil and a bunch of angle stuff. And we had to sketch a uh, chair that was up on a desk just sketch the chair. I couldn't do it. I literally, I could not sketch the chair. Everybody's done off to the next sketch. The guy comes over, he goes, what are you doing? I go, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. And he's like, you might want to rethink this. I'm like, yeah, way ahead of you, man. So I got out of that. And at the same time, unfortunately, I actually joined a fraternity in my first semester. I bombed and I changed my major twice Went to undecided, then I went to economics. I don't know why. I'm still, I'm still kind of searching. I just still knew that I didn't want to do the the engineering thing, 
And I actually even went through to the point where I, I had no self understanding to the, to the point where I completely changed my wardrobe over for some unknown reason. And I turned into the, some preppy. I was wearing sweaters and collared shirts and all. It was, yes, it was one of those. I really don't want to see the pictures of that time in my life type of situation. And, uh, so I had two majors at that time and then, and then came the summer and I don't remember exactly what happened, but all of a sudden I'm sitting in the car and, uh, I just decided, you know, I may, I want to be on the radio. I want to work. I want to be a DJ and I want to spin and, and do all that stuff. So I drove to the nearest possible radio station that I was from me, which was in Long Beach, which was KNAC. I drove my crappy old Ford Courier pickup, parked it on the street, uh, went up. Uh, to the 11th floor, I think it was 11, 12th floor, uh, went in there. Uh, Julie was the receptionist at the time. And I, I just went in and I said, hi, I'm Tony and I want to work here. I'll, I'll just, and I have, in, in seriously, I, this is not really me. I don't, I never up to that point really did a lot of that kind of stuff, but for some unknown reason, I had zero reservations about doing that. I was completely focused into doing that on this urge just to do this. I'll sweep the floor. What can I do here? She goes, well, we have a janitor. She goes, but we actually do have a a internship program in the sales department through Cal State Long Beach. I go, great. What do I need to do? And she says, well, you need to be at Cal State Long Beach. First of all, I, I said, okay, great. So I ran downstairs, got into the truck, drove over to Cal State Long Beach, which was right down the street. And I enrolled. So I was in the radio TV major over at Cal State Long Beach. I, I went back to KNAC and uh, talked to her and said, now I'm in and I want to be in the internship thing at, for the sales department. And she says, great. So I started there. So not only was I, I transferred to the school, I'm in a new major. A lot of the, the units didn't transfer at the time. And I'm still working. Now I was working at Disneyland at the time too. I was a submarine captain. So I made my way up and this was like within months because I was there constantly asking questions and I was doing everything I could to help everything I could. I did production. I did editing and uh, commercial editing, anything you can name. I, I tracked the albums. I did, you know, whatever it took. So I was at, uh, as at KNAC and then all of a sudden, uh, the, um, they, they changed over formats and everybody got let go and it was done. My time was done there. So I thought, okay, well now, uh, this was, this was a passion. I finally, finally hit something that was, I had a passion and I had a, I was passionate about and then it was gone. And I thought, well, maybe seeing as though I still wasn't really on a solid ground of understanding who I was or really what I wanted to do or the, or I had no concept at all. I really didn't on the fact of uh, failing and using that to my benefit and using that to learn and to move forward in the direction that I want to go. Did not, I did not have that gear at that time. So I looked around and there were some crappy jobs like in the middle of nowhere. And I was like 19. I was like 20 at the time. And so I was still young. And I thought, you know, I just, 20 years old being in the middle of Wyoming doing a, you know, a, a, a graveyard shift on, on, you know, K out of the middle of nowhere. I wasn't going to do that. So I, interestingly enough, a buddy of mine called up and he said, hey, there's a bunch of us. And we're going to go down and enroll at San Diego State. I'm like, okay, why? He goes, okay, well, because it's fun. It's a party school. And, you know, we're all going to hang down in Diego. I'm like, done. Because Orange County, where I grew up, was only an hour and 20 minutes away from San Diego. So there you go. So I de-enrolled from Cal State Long Beach. And uh, went after two years, 
and uh, went down to San Diego State and enrolled in down there. Now, I needed to do something legitimate, I thought, because the radio station thing was a disaster. And me going off the reservation like that, going out of the, you know, the the stable money oriented type of a job and going into the arts, which I thought was at the case, you know, doing the DJ stuff. Uh, and it didn't work out for me. And I ended up with nothing. And I thought, well, I can't do that again, especially the way I was raised. And again, with the depression era parents slash grandparents who uh, struggled because they didn't have the ability to make any money. So I went into the business program there into finance and finances because specifically because my grandfather said finance is an amazing degree. You can do anything and stuff. And I really looked up to him. And so I, that's where the finance thing came from. So I said, oh, fine. So I went down there and had to go through a bunch of summer classes because now I'm screwed. I've got a year at Cal State Long, uh, Fullerton. I got two at Cal State Long Beach and radio TV. I'm way behind on, I, I haven't taken any business classes or anything. So I'm, I, I had three classes over the summer just to get into pre-business. And then I had to load up. And every summer I took classes just to get, just to get into the business thing. And at, at the same time, <laughs> the San Diego State was the most amazing experience I ever had in terms of college. It was the college experience. It was out- unbelievable. Had the best time down there. And I actually had a focus. And, the, and it's because I had the focus and the direction with the classes and the fact that I had to catch up, it sort of kept me busy. It was almost like busy work. And at the same time, I had a buddy of mine that uh, called me up. He's And he was up in Orange, back in Orange County. And he said, hey, listen, I he was a real estate appraiser. And he goes, it's getting really busy here doing the appraising thing. Do you want to do some stuff for me on the side? I thought, well, I have a serving job. Uh, I had a bartending job, went down, got a serving job down at the Jolly Roger in uh, North County in San Diego. And uh, it, I didn't like it. it, it just we, I just didn't jive with the people that, that were there. They were you know nice and all, but it just didn't wasn't the same. So I said, yeah, I'll start doing that. And I could make a lot more helping him doing appraisals that I could uh, serving tables. So that meant I had to drive up to Orange County well, once a week for a couple of days. And when I did go up there, I just stayed with my grandparents. They were in Fountain Valley, which worked out great. And I made good money. I, I made enough money to put to put myself through uh, my my parents still actually paid for tuition because back in the day, tuition was like three dollars and ninety five cents a semester. Not like it is now. And, uh, but I did, but I had my, I bought a decent car and I paid for, you know, books here and there and I could pay for my living expenses and all that. So I bounced back and forth doing that. And I, now I'm in the appraising business, right? That's for that last year. And when I graduated San Diego state, I immediately just went back up to orange County and started working there with my friend. Then something very interesting happened. The market exploded. I've graduated. I've already have a year of experience. And uh, the appraisal uh, office that I was in was sort of breaking apart. There was a bunch of us in there and we were kind of doing our own thing. I started my own business. I started my own residential appraisal business and it blew up. First, second out of college, I am rocking it. I've got a couple guys working for me. I've got some research people and I'm making it happen. And that first year I was, I, I went from, and this is back like in, you know, 1907. Uh, I mean, this was way back and I made, I got out of college and, and I made like almost a hundred thousand dollars that first year, which was, I think it's probably the same as like a million dollars now. It was just, it was insanity how much I made. So in that, I, I fell back into the appraisal thing and then I started doing it because it was a direction and something I could focus on. Uh, and then making money 
completely stroked my ego on all of that stuff. And it also satisfied the fact that uh, that was the one thing that people have always been fearful of is not having enough money in my family because of, the, again, the Depression era stuff. So I was like, oh, my God, this is the perfect situation. I have something to, to keep me focused. I have a job that's making me money. And I have uh, and everybody around me is is fired up for me and saying you are doing a great job. And I'm getting a pat on the back from everybody because I'm making money. So then like an idiot, 22, 23 year old, I start uh, buying toys and I bought I, I was I was at uh, I was at a condo in Huntington Harbor. I had a uh, Beamer. I had two motorcycle two motorcycles. I had I was racing jet skis. I mean, it was like the, it's just, it, it was, yeah, it was exactly what, if, if you look up douchebag in the dictionary, that's who I was. I was a full on douche, uh, making a ton of money, spending a lot of money and thinking that I'm just that all that in a bag of chips. And, uh, I got to the point where like, like a lot of people do when they make a lot of money and they get the stuff that they think that was going to make them feel amazing. And they didn't make me feel amazing because once your mind gets to the point where it accepts the fact that you're at a particular income level, then there's a big space there that you have to fill. And that's the fulfilling part about your life. And the whole time up to this point in getting into business school and getting into the praising thing and moving back up and starting the job and having a, a really successful first year, it kept my mind busy and it kept things focused on that. And then when that I got all that stuff, I looked around and said, I am not, I'm not happy. This is not what I want. It just, it's very unfulfilling. So I decided to try to make a change, even though there was things were rocking and rolling. And I, and this is where everything changed for me. So a buddy of mine was a real estate broker over at Merrill Lynch up in Fullerton. And we've been good friends for a long time. And I was telling him about the appraising thing. And, and I, he would tell me stories about the brokerage stuff. And he had investments and he had apartment buildings and stuff that he's purchased. And he was the same age as me. Or actually, like, I think he's a year younger. And I said, you know, that, that would be kind of cool to do. I, I, the appraising thing's not working for me. I kind of want to do something different. I want to get into big money. I want to do something because now I have to up the level because now I've made money, but it's not enough. So I, I want to get into something else. He goes, hey, work for us. I'm like, awesome. He goes, but in order to do that, I, I'm going to ask you to do one, <laughs> one thing. And I, and I, I swear to God, I remember this exact discussion to this day. He goes, I want you to go to a business seminar. All right. Business seminar. They teach about business, right? It's how to do it better, I guess. I don't know. So I'm like, okay, fine. What is it? He goes, okay, well, it's, uh, you know, it's in the next week or a couple of weeks or something. You go there and get all that squared away. And then after that, you can come in here and we'll make things happen. I said, great. A week or two goes along and I end up at the, the business seminar. And, uh, it's, it's not, it's not a business seminar. It's actually a personal growth and development seminar. And it's put on by PSI. Psi, if you're familiar with that. Uh, there's also LifeSpring and Est and actually AWOL, a buddy of mine's involved in the AWOL uh, pro project there. It's kind of the same. It's kind of the same thing. The first set of seminars is set up as a four-day thing. It absolutely positively changed my life. It did a lot of damage at the beginning because they give you a lot of stuff and there's not a lot of trained 
psychologists around to rein you in once everything goes to shit. But in hindsight, it it absolutely positive. That was the absolute epiphany for me. Um, the life changing force in my life to get me onto this path was going there and realizing that I actually had a choice in my life. I actually had a level of control in terms of you know, how I think about things. I actually have the ability to reframe things, to look at things in a more positive way. Uh, I actually have worth uh, that I can develop within myself that I don't need somebody else to tell me I have worth. As stupid as it may sound, I didn't realize I had the power. I didn't realize I had the ability to shift things in my life. I didn't realize I had the ability to make things happen and to create opportunities. No idea whatsoever on that. Or just the just the personal power that I had in regards to the power over my emotions, power over my behaviors, and the power over who I'm around and who I'm not, who's in my circle and who's not, the choices that I can make. I never, never understood I had the ability to do that until I got there. And uh, that that absolutely changed my life. So 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 of course what happens is, I'm going, and, and I'm sure you can see this too. It's like, I'm going along this path, got the real estate thing, got the money thing. And I was, and I was planning on going to this brokerage thing and making a ton of money. And then all of that, all, everything that I built, all the ideals that I, that I built that on, the foundation, it would just crumble. Absolutely. Because that really wasn't who I was. And it came to, everything came to an absolute screeching halt. When I got out of that seminar, I uh, did not want to work at all in any of that. I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, because it's not like I decided right then and there. Oh, I want to be a you know therapist or I want to be a coach or whatever. I I did what did I wasn't that far along to be have the ability to do that. What I was able to do was to uh, what I call an atomic bomb my life, which was basically going back and saying I'm not working. Uh, I'm not gonna. I don't feel like paying my bills. I'm pulling, pretty much pulling a Peter from office space. And, uh, and so after a little while, I, uh, almost got foreclosed on, on my Huntington Harbor condo, sold it for a loss. Uh, all the toys were gone. Beamer was gone. Bikes were gone. Jetski was gone. Everything gone. And, uh, I had to, I ended up having to move back in with my grandparents and I was about 70,000 bucks in debt. So. I go from making a ton of money and being the, you know, the talk of the town in my own head and having a bunch of shit driving around in it to having like nothing, uh, because I did it to myself. And that's a real mind screw because I couldn't point to anybody else that's, uh, you know, Hey, it's your fault that all of this happened. It was me. Uh, it's, it's because I completely lost the will to go along a path that I knew was not my own. And in that rubble, it took a bit of time uh, and uh, support from my family. And I finally got to the point where I could do something that was very important to me at the time, which was to reframe in, in, and it's in the meantime. And I talk a lot about this in the book because in, because I don't want you to, I don't want anybody to atomic bomb their life. It is horrifying and it is really dangerous. Because you just, because you collapse into this pile of goo and nothing productive comes out of it. Uh, it's, and it took a lot for me to climb out of that. And, and the number one thing that I did was I reframed, I reframed the appraising thing. And I, now I looked at it like, okay, cause I used to be a very black and white 
thinker. It was like either this or this instead of seeing the subtleties and, and saying either e- either or or maybe this and this and this and this or I could do two things at once or three things at once. Once I did that and once I realized that was a possibility, I reframed the appraising thing into a job as a function to be a gr- grown up and to be a re- responsible grown up and to pay my bills and to get myself back on a solid foundation to where I can explore other things. Because you can't explore other things if you're just trying to survive. It's that whole survive, thrive thing. If you're focused so much on surviving, you're not going to be able to to thrive at all. You're not going to be able to look to make that pivot and to look out and see opportunities. Because you're so focused on just getting through the day. And a lot of people are at that point. And it's, and there's nothing wrong with that. The key is to really get you. To get yourself, do what you need to do to get yourself out of that just survive thing and into a point where you can take a look around and see new opportunities and take the risk and take the little jump to be able to make those things happen. I finally reframed the appraising thing, got back into that. And, uh, like the second after I got back into that, I, uh, got into a relationship. And of course, uh, because I was still really emotionally fragile during that time, because everything that I built my whole self-worth on was dumped, uh, I was, uh, I clinged onto that like grim death. <laughs> and, uh, that was, it was a whirlwind romance. And then she got pregnant and then we got married and then I had a daughter. Uh, then I got divorced after less than a year because it wasn't supposed to happen anyway. And well, come to find out she wasn't really the mom type. And, uh, I ended up with, uh, my daughter most of the time we had a 50, 50 thing, but it ended up being me most of the time. I don't know if you, if you're involved in that, you know what I mean? So obviously being a father, being the most important thing, uh, that's what I focused on. So I stayed in the appraising thing. I didn't want to go out and risk anything. I needed to be stable. I needed to be stable because, uh, to really make sure that everything was there for my daughter. So I went through the single dad thing. And was the coach for a number of years, soccer coach for a number of years. And it just, it was just awesome and kept with the appraising things. And I, and it worked. It was, it was okay. It was, it was fine for, uh, for a little while. And then I, and then I couldn't take it anymore. And she was probably three going on four or so. And I decided I, I, I finally have to do something. And I was talking to a really good friend of mine who actually just went through the Pepperdine uh, graduate school of education and psychology because after the all the size stuff, and I went through four different programs that they had, I realized I had a bit of a knack for it, and it was enthralling to me. It was it was exciting to me. All of this changing stuff and the psychology about it. So I got in, got into there, and had my sisters and my mom help out with my daughter in terms of the babysitting. I went to night school and got through and got my graduate degree. And during my time at Pepperdine, I knew exactly that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And that was during the first semester in the first class that I took. And it was probably the second week and we when we split up into groups and there were four of us and we had to go read through this scenario of this person who came in to uh, do a therapy session and then diagnose them based upon what we read through. And uh, so we all took turns thinking, going through and thinking what we thought after reading this paragraph about this person. And it came to me and mind you, I am right off the street, fresh off the boat. 
uh, going into the psychology thing. I was not a psychology major in my undergrad. And I sat there and I went, I went through about five minutes or so of the most detailed analysis of this particular person. And I looked up and everybody was kind of looking at me, all these three other people, two girls and a guy. And the guy goes, how long have you been doing this? And I go, I, this is my second week. And he just had, to, <laughs> he just had this dejected look on his face like, oh shit. Yeah, because I, I, he, I think he was about to graduate. He was in his second year, and he's like, "Oh God!" Right then and there, I knew, I knew that I was in the right place. I knew this was my passion. I knew that this was going to be my life. Right then and there, so I got through that. I zipped through that. It was, it wasn't a problem at all. Got out of that thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll on and do psychology in my PhD program, be a psychologist, blah blah blah." Got out and uh, looked around. Uh, did some uh, training. And got into the field a little bit and decided that uh, the field didn't really fit me. The field was very regimented. And if you've ever been a part of therapy, you know that it's it's a business. I mean, it's a, a and it's a medical business. So there's a lot of medical stuff involved, a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of guidelines. There are things you can and cannot do. There is uh, and they, they go off of um, uh they go off of diagnoses. They have specific treatments. It's a very regimented type of a routine. And that's not me. I'm not regimented at all. I'm very instinctual about what I do. And, and I, I like feeding off of energy. And I saw that that wasn't really welcomed in the business a whole lot. There was sides that I didn't like and I didn't agree with. So I thought, ah, crap. Now what am I going to do? So I still looked into some PhD programs and uh, went on a couple interviews. In one interview, actually, I was in there and the two uh, guys, the two college professors that were so uninterested in us four, we were there doing an interview, that they weren't even looking at us. One guy was looking at the ceiling tile and I had it. I just fucking had it at that time. I said, I said, well, it doesn't really seem like you're really interested. I said, you, you tired? This is the last, this is the last interview of the day. And uh, that did not go over well. And I did not get invited to that college. So, but at that time, again, and this is about when you open yourself up to opportunities, stuff just comes at you. And at that time, all of a sudden I'm searching around and I find this program. And this program is this applied philosophy program. I wasn't even looking for philosophy, but it was an applied philosophy program uh, that was put on by the International University. And I'm reading through the description of what the classes are and what it's all about and stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, this is awesome because it talks about Western philosophy, Western psychology. It goes into to Eastern philosophy. It goes into old religions. And then they were started talking about uh, string theory and quantum mechanics. And uh, it just, I was absolutely positively intrigued because that's the type of stuff that I like. It's like everything kind of put together. It's the science and it's the religion stuff, the faith stuff all put together. And sort of jumbled around because I, I truly believe that every single thing that we've come across as the hum, human race over the years, there's some level of truth in all of that stuff. And you can, if you can kind of find the right pieces, it all fits. So I was, I was sold. 
and uh, uh, signed up for the program, got into the program, and it was uh, outstanding. It was absolutely outstanding. It took me it took me two years to do the classes because that's the usual time for classes, and they're very structured, and so it was pretty easy to do that. But it took me another eight years to finish my PhD, my dissertation, because I was raising my daughter. And, uh, I got into the point where I just, I would start and with, with, with something like that with a dissertation, or if you've done a, like a really in-depth master's thesis, you know, or a huge research paper, you know, you got to stay on top of it. Cause if you don't, then you just like, you fall back a couple steps and then you have to re-engage with it and then take that time to, to kind of get back up to speed. And then by that time you're tired and then you don't get into it again. And then you, <laughs> so that's what happened. And then, st- then I got married again. And then we moved and so many things happened and it took, that's why it took me that long. So it took me 10 years to get my PhD finally. I think it was about 2010 when I finally got that. So then that leads me to now into the last 10 years into me, uh, getting my degree and starting up Java Bud and helping people and creating coaching programs and starting the podcast and talking about things that matter to me and talking about things that I would hope that would help you. So having my daughter, I realized I needed to be true to myself for her. That's when things shifted in regards to me and the importance of things in life. Because when I saw that now I'm not only responsible for my own idiot self, but I have somebody that's, that is looking up to me to be a guide and to be somebody that they can look up to and, and that can help them along the way and to, and to, you know, teach them the stuff that is going to help them fulfill be fulfilled and to have an amazing life. So I wanted to set an example for her and I didn't want to live in hypocrisy. I didn't want to continue on doing something or being in a business or making a bunch of money when I didn't feel as though that was what I was supposed to do. And that was my major, my major achievement in all of this and looking back was the fact that I I said, you know what, forget it. I'm going to go to Pepperdine. I'm going to get my master's. I'm going to go to international. I'm going to get my PhD. I'm going to start job, but I'm going to do the coaching. I'm going to do the podcast. I'm going to do the book. I'm going to be sitting here right here talking to you. I'm going to put out an offer. I'm going to do an online program. That's why I do what I do because I love it because I know that all of us can do what I have done. I, I, I am not special in at all. I was not born with a silver spoon up my ass. I was, <laughs> I mean, as a, I'll give you, I, as a white male, I have had my white male of USA privileges. All that being said, I can only live in what I, in my bubble, but it was not the easiest thing in the world. And uh, that's, and I'm saying, don't use any excuses to uh, bow your way out of this. I don't care who you are or where you're at. There's a way to do it. The most important part about this whole thing, it wasn't, the achievement was great, but it was about my transformation. And my transformation actually helped me to my achievement in terms of being uh, the best dad that I can be and to doing what I'm doing now. And that was my complete, I had a complete attitude transformation, completely. I hated people, didn't know what was going on. It was always, you know, uh, blame shifting and blaming everybody else and, oh, they have this or they must have been born with that, that kind of shit. And I, and I don't do it anymore. And I've kind of let that go. I've, I've surrendered to that. And, you know, most things, most things now, it, it, because, because I still, for some reason, I still look like I'm like upper thirties and I'm 53 now. People will go, if it comes up, they'll go, Oh my God, what, what's the secret? And the one thing I do tell them is that, uh, I, sometimes I tell them, you know, drinking, but I'm just dicking around. What I do tell them in all honesty is in what I think it is, is, that I, I just, I don't care. 
I just don't care about most things. I call it the 98% rule. I don't get, there's 2% of things in the world that I care about. I care about my health. I care about my daughter. I care about my relationships. I care about all that stuff. I, uh, most other things I really don't care a whole lot about. I care about my clients, but most of the little stuff, the day to day stuff that people get all wrapped up in and they get all in the stress levels go up and they, all, all the, all the, the juju hormones go cir- circulating through you and it beats, it beats yourselves up. And now the, the greatest part about all this is that now I, at once in a while, I catch glances of uh, my daughter uh, uh, doing the same things to, with her kids as, as I did with her and instilling the same uh, foundation stuff and uh, working on their character building with them the same way I worked with on her. And it is, that is for sure the most fulfilling thing for me. And I absolutely love it. You know, it's it, what I always tell my, my clients is, is that because most of the time it's all stuck, right? You always hear stuck, stuck, stuck. You're not. There's a way out. You feel stuck, feel stuck, but you're really not. And there's a way out. I mean, if I certainly, it's that whole thing, and I know you've heard this a million times, but if I can do it, you can do it. And I am having the best damn time of my life. I absolutely love it. I don't live in a castle on the top of the mountain. I don't drive around a different car for different days. I don't have a garage full of Maseratis like some tools do because I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. What I care about is the quality of my life, the people around me, and helping people as much as I can, and my family. And it is awesome. So hopefully... I can get you there. Now, one way or the other, I can get you there or somebody else can get you there. But again, you can get there. And that's what I would like you to take away from this. I hope you enjoyed this origin story. Uh, I, I tried to make it short, but of course, you start talking about yourself. Look at where the time goes. Again, you can go to javabud.com. I'm, uh, no video this week. I, I look like death and uh, I'm trying to squeeze this in before I, I get out on the road. And oh, again, uh, just to give you a little heads up, I am uh, part of this deal for this marketing thing is uh, going live every single day. I'm going to start going live every single day. Probably have zero to talk about, but I'll try to, you know, bring up some stories and we'll do some fun stuff. So I'm going to give that a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. We'll see. If you have any suggestions, please let me know. Again, I'll be live every day, probably in the morning on Instagram. I'll do uh, Instagram live. And that is uh, the Java Bud on Instagram. And you, got to, you can go to javabud.com. You can uh, listen to all the podcasts. You can go to SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. I'm working on posting it on different places. But if you know if you go to iTunes, you'll be able to. Everybody goes to iTunes, right? I hope things are good. If you have any questions, you can give me a holler at Tony at javabud.com. If not, have an amazing week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.